I'm Jerry Durham. And I'm Andrew Rothschild. And we are the Healthcare Disruption Podcast, bringing you information, ideas, and thoughts from the outer edges of healthcare, and sometimes even from outside of healthcare, where the true changes will occur. What we believe is the singular focus on the patient will bring about the only true change in healthcare. Thank you for coming and enjoy today's show. All right. Welcome back to the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. I'm Jerry Durham. Uh, don't have my sidekick, Andrew Rothschild, but as you've heard, we've, uh, we've been getting back together. As I like to say, the band's back together. I call them the troublesome drummer because the drummer, I think, in my opinion, is always the one that becomes troublesome. As he went off and started his own thing, and, you know, and then my ego got hurt because I was the lead singer. Not really. I think it makes for a good story. So we got back together and we'll be back together uh, sometimes, but this time not. Today, I want to uh, introduce Todd Davenport. Todd, how are you? Hi, fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. And just so everybody knows listening to this, we are doing this the day before CSM starts in New Orleans. So I do want to talk a little bit about Todd, uh, what he's going to be speaking about there. But first, we got to cover the important shit. Um, how Todd and I met, because I love to start all my podcasts like this. We met, Todd, and you fill this in. We met at the face-to-face at a student advocacy day in Sacramento. We did. Yeah, it was uh, the California Physical Therapy Association Student Ledge Day. Which uh, I always used to attend. Time. Yeah, and I loved those. And I used to love attending that because I used to love walking in the room with the uh, – you know, all the kids, I still call them kids. All the kids were so nervous. And I'd be like, um, I'm not a constituent, you guys. And you eight are. So uh, if you think I'm, I love to talk, but this ain't my time. And that was, used to be fun. And the kids always killed it. What do we talk about? I say, well, what are you concerned about? My student loan. Talk about your student loan. What are you concerned about? I'm concerned about my job in a rural area. I'm like, talk. <laughs> you know, they, were, they knew what they needed to talk about. Was that your experience with that? Absolutely. You know, what's funny is that, you know, I think people walk into these offices and they don't realize that they're these representatives bosses, you know, I mean, they're, they're the ones who can vote in or vote out, or if their parents still live in the area, their parents can vote in or vote out. So, you know, they've got a, they've got a big voice, even though they don't feel like they have a full command of the profession yet. So that was totally fun. I I loved it. And uh, I told them the most important thing they had to do. This was my one consistent message with all of them. When you go up and shake ever hand it is, hi, my name's Jerry Durham. I'm a constituent. I was like, that is worth the price of admission. Magic. You don't have to say anything after that. I'm, I'm okay. Right. Magic words, man. How long ago was that, Todd? Four, five years? God, I want to say even more than that. But Maybe uh, so. yeah, no, it's been, it's been a while. And you went back this year. I saw I your picture. I did go back this year. Uh, I was there... I didn't get a chance to go on ledge visits this year, but I mean, it, it really is a highlight of my year to be able to teach people yeah, how so. to influence government. It's pretty, it's pretty cool stuff, man. And it's growing. It looked to be a pretty large group. Yes. Yeah. I don't mean to be uh, a complete hipster snob here, but it used to be the Pacific, uh, you know, student ledge day. And then it grew into like the Northern California student ledge day as people wanted to hop on. As far as I'm concerned, the more the merrier, you know, because I think it's a skill everybody should have. Yeah, and I think it was great to lead by example, Todd, because if Pacific has a ledge day, to me, that was a conversation, a leverage point to bring to other schools mm-hmm. to say, look, we, we, you know, Pacific's got a program, so 
I yeah. say pump away, man. And uh, thanks for leading that process. I think yeah. it's so important. And even as big, this is interesting. This isn't what I wanted to talk about today, but I think it's very fitting. Um, even with as big as California is, what do we got? 55 Congress people. Yeah. It's just insane to go to it's D.C., insane. right? Yeah, it's insane. And so you go to the Capitol in Sacramento, it's like, oh, it's so big and it's all these people. I, I've i made more lasting, and I'm doing the quotes things, it is what it is. I've made more lasting relationships in the California State Capitol. And I encourage everybody listening to this to get to your state capitol. Meet, and by the way, I say this all the time, you don't have to meet the actual person because sometimes they have an aide in there and you'd be surprised how much influence in the conversations they have. So meet, meet the people, show up a couple times a year, tell them you're a physical therapist, tell them you know, you're a constituent, tell them what's important to you, leave a card, can I be a resource? That's the other thing that was great yeah, that they always taught, right, about being a yeah. resource. Yeah, how can we help out? And, and with healthcare these days, they, I believe there are lots of people who would like more input on solving problems in healthcare instead of keeping the status quo. So you offer yourself as a solution, opioid crisis, low right. back pain. Right. So there's my challenge to everybody. This isn't why we're on the call. Well, it kind of is. Because yeah, kind yeah, of. yeah, it is. Legislative yeah. policy but has to do with The fact is that all politics are local. Right. And so you have the chance to influence your local people to make big decisions. And I think it's a it's a lever it's a lever that people don't pull hard enough and often enough. So do you think they don't pull hard enough on it because they don't think they'll have an effect, Todd? I, I think it looks too big. I think it goes back to your point of, you know, the buildings are made out of marble and there's old statues all over the place. And you kind of look at the place and you're like, you know, as a physical therapist or as a physical therapy student, you know, in the case of our students, you know, how, how can I make a difference here? But, you know, the simple fact is it, it just goes back to the fact that, you know, your, your representative, at, uh, certainly at the state level, uh, but even at the federal level, relies on groups that are around you, you know, all the time. And these are, these are groups of your friends and your neighbors and, you know, family, friends, neighbors, uh, you know, people who, who patronize your business. Uh, and that kind of thing. So it's it's the kind of thing that, that people can, it's a very doable thing once you start breaking it down. Uh, and I think the other part is that people just need practice. Uh, I think practice makes perfect. You know, once you start sort of talking about who you are, you know, the profession that you represent uh, and the things that are important to you, the easier that gets. I like your, I like your word doable. It's, it's very true. And Here's another stat. Have you ever heard this? And this was said to me in the Capitol by someone in Sacramento one year. So tell me if you've heard this before, that everybody who shows up in that office. So if I'm a constituent showing up into an office, I represent nine voters. Yeah. I believe you've heard that stat. I have heard that. That made me feel a little more empowered and that my message was, was more worthy. And then so that, realizing I'm representing nine people, the mm-hmm. second thing was something else uh, you alluded to. Again, it's doable and that we have value to bring because not, not, as, not as treating people in the office, but as we are a solution to something that they write policy on, healthcare. And it's always been this way. And so offer yourself up as a resource. Here's my card. Here's my phone number. Here's my email. Anything ever come through about the opioid crisis, low back pain, access issues? um, Please feel free to give me a call. I can. I 
I've sat in there, me of all people, I've sat in there before offering them research and I have sent research articles to my, uh, to my state level. And I think I might've sent some to the national level, but I gave up. I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but I gave up on national. My energy is not well spent there. So I stay on the state level. I still contribute to the pack. Um, and then, so it's all good. So I think this does, yeah, this does fit well. And one of the big reasons I wanted to bring Todd on was Todd, I think I'm going to go out on a limb here. Todd was the first person I ever heard talk about, you weren't saying social determinants of health back then. What were we just, was there a different phrase we were talking about community based? It's a, that's a jargony kind of terrible phrase. You know, it sounds cool. I'll say it a lot. It, it sucks. It, the marketing sucks. You know, um, it's, you know, if you look at the, the reading level that's necessary, even just to wade through those terms, it's like, you gotta be a freshman in college to understand all the words. Um, but I think, I, I think, don't, by the way, for the record, I do want to go on the record. I read some of that stuff and then I send it over to people I know. And then I look, I say, tell me what this means in our world. Right. No. And it's, that's, that's the, that's the big challenge here is that it's sort of one of those things where you're, you're sort of the, you're sort of the goldfish swimming in the, in the fishbowl and you're trying to describe the water, you know, it's just, it's just sort of everywhere. And so you come up with these really jargony, terrible ways to kind of talk about it that don't make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, when you, when you realize that, that, you know, what you're talking about is health, you know, where you, where you live, where you work, where you play and where you worship, that's a lot easier to talk about than social determinants of health. It's just a little bit long. So um, I first started talking a little bit about kind of social, political, and cultural factors that, that, that affect health. Because uh, I was trying to get around this whole idea of the, the social determinants of health. But then it got a little bit too easy to use a hashtag and an abbreviation, SDOH. Uh, and so I started hashtagging everything SDOH, which, is not my, which was not my idea. It was someone else's idea. And, and I just sort of carried it forward. And, and try to use it to alert my, my physical therapy folks to, to the same kinds of things that other folks are talking about. I, I think it was, I think it was a good way to get the word out because I see the hashtag. I, I, as you, people may or may not know, I haven't been in this conversation cause I chose not to join it, but that hashtag meant something to me because I saw you sharing it, my guys in heart sharing it. And then I started to connect my dots with other people in my feed who were not in my immediate little circle who were using it. So I had, I put all those people in the same little um, group and then the content across everybody, you know, has just been phenomenal because at least when I see that hashtag, I, it catches my eye and, and I can start reading stuff. I love what you said. You probably saw me scrambling where the hell did I put it for that piece of paper, but I love that health where you live. And you went a little deeper because, you know, one of the most interesting articles I read recently, Todd, was it's health where you live, worship, go to school and shop for groceries, as I've, read, yeah, as I've been reading recently. Yeah, sure. So will you dive a little deeper into just you don't have to go into each component, but go, you know, I've, the way I saw you, because here's the context for this. You were talking about community planning before anybody else. So mm-hmm. talk about all those different things and maybe dive into a couple so, yeah, so the I, listeners uh, can get a better understanding. So, so basically, if you look at where you live and just kind of, kind of just, just take a walking tour, you know, uh, look at the built environment, for example. You know, how is your house laid out? How is it set up? How are the materials set up? What are the building codes that influence your particular house? 
um, you know, uh, you don't have to go too much farther than some of the most recent headlines to realize that all that stuff's really important. So Flint, Michigan, uh, with the lead in the water, for example, it's a huge, you know, public health issue that arose from, you know, building materials. That's all built environment stuff. Um, asbestos is a built environment issue. Lead-based paint is a built environment issue. Uh, these all have, you know, a correlation with onset of pulmonary diseases in the case of asbestos, but also um, both acute and chronic intellectual problems in kids and adults uh, related to, to chronic lead exposure. Um, and so and these, are, these are things that through epigenetic pathways can last generations. So they sort of start now, but then they, be, they get amplified over time. Um, so that, that's sort of one example. If you look at the issue of community design, you know, look at how your, look at how your community is laid out, you know, are there sidewalks? Uh, is it safe to walk? You know, um, you know, how are the crosswalks laid out? Uh, we don't have weather here in Stockton per se, you know, <laughs> the same way that they do elsewhere, but I follow Chris Hines, who's doing some really cool stuff with, with the built environment, uh, up in, uh, Traverse City, Michigan area, and they deal with snow and ice and, you know, where do you blow the snow? And you blow the snow out of the street and put it right in the, you know, the pedestrian area and the bike bike area, because then you just sort of, you shoot yourself in the foot with regard to trying to promote active transportation year round. So, um, so there's, there's, there's some, some, some really interesting ideas here. Um, you know, how far apart are things? I mean, do you live in suburbia where the nearest grocery store is a three mile drive away uh, or two or three buses away? Um, you know, same thing with, with, uh, where you work, uh, you know, is that situated close by? Can you bike to it? Can you walk to it? A lot of communities are not set up that way. I mean, a lot of communities are sort of, you know, have that post-war design in forties and fifties where, you know, you've got like where you live in one spot, where you work in another spot, and then you commute, you know, from one place to the next. And it's just far enough away that you have to use a car either for safety or for expediency. So, you know, the built environment's a big thing. Um. Gosh, um, you could, and you could take this any number of ways, of course. So many of the social determinants of health uh, may be related to who you are, you know. So, so issues of race and sex and gender uh, become really important in the way of, of, of that. You know, if you look at, at some of the classic kind of demographic characteristics of folks, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, household income and your occupation, uh, those all influence the kind of health that you have. Uh, if you think about the different occupations and their exposures, uh, also, you know, you know, the, how that intersects with household wealth in order to be able to buy organic food, in order to be able to buy health insurance, uh, you know, in order to be able to pay for uh, a person maybe directly on a cash basis. Um, you know, all of these things sort of come together in terms of, um, uh, you know, predicting a person's health and, and their access to health care. So you really have a lot of sort of offshoots to this that, that get really important, which is why, you know, this is an area that I've become very passionate about because I think, you know, it, you, you go back to, you know, there are differences, right, between people and sort of what they can, what they can afford and so forth. And I think sort of as a society, uh, we tolerate too many of those differences. Uh, I think, I think of health care uh, and, and health as a human right, the ability to pursue one's health as a human right, uh, and a human right that's you know that's as important as you know as any as any other that might be laid out specifically in our Bill of Rights uh, here in the United States. And so you know the ability it, uh, to me the ability to uh, pursue one's health and healthcare should not depend on who they are, uh, where they live. Um, that, that should be a, a universally guaranteed right. And that's not just me talking. Um, that's the UN talking. Uh, so if you, 
you have if you have questions or problems, take it up with you. Real quick, I, I want I think that's the perfect spot. So because I I'm new to this, I'm new to this, new to the research. Um, and I mean, within the last year, probably, and I'm probably exaggerating there. So it's probably been less than a year. So you just said who you are, you know, the color of your skin, your neighborhood. Again, I just read an article about access to a grocery store that would blow everybody's fucking mind if they read it because you don't, you don't want to believe it. And so you're going to tell yourself this isn't true. And then you're going to say it again and again, and you're going to go time out a grocery store on the corner, actually a grocery store on the corner, having a larger effect than anybody in healthcare could ever have on someone's health. So Todd, it, is it, I'll make a broad sweeping statement that the true determinant of your health is your zip code. Is, so, is that what you're describing? That, yeah. So, so I talk a lot about, about sort of place-based um, health, you know, place-based determinants of health. And so really, you know, we talk a lot about DNA and, and we talk about this, this importance of, of making sure that we understand our own biology uh, and that, you know, understanding our biology is, is the key to unlocking health. And you see this with the direct to consumer kits that are out there with the 23andMe and some of those things, uh, you know, uh, out there. But the simple fact is that, you know, you can, uh, you can take a look at mortality. So if you look at life expectancy, all of that depends on your zip code. Um, if you look at the utilization of certain healthcare services, uh, that depends on your zip code. Um, and so I really think that we need to start looking at ZNA in terms of, you know, our zip code instead of our DNA quite so much. And, and I'll take that one point further. So if you, if you do think that DNA is important uh, and you come up with all these great new cutting edge technologies to, you know, help guarantee someone's health compress morbidity at the end of life, lengthen life, um, improve quality of life in between. How are you going to get them to people if you don't think about your ZNA? You've got no delivery system. Those technologies don't do anything besides widen uh, health disparities uh, and healthcare disparities in our country. Uh, and so these are things that we really have to think about. And, you know, what's interesting here, Jerry, is that, you know, there, there, are, there are agencies that deal with this on a federal level. Um, they're not the ones that are getting the splashy headlines and the splashy research grants. Um, I'm not sure that they're necessarily the most expensive uh, ways to go about things, but I think, I think they require the hard conversations. Uh, and I think that's what people avoid. Kind of like, you know, going up to, to ledge day. Yeah. Uh, don't want to have the conversation. Yeah. They don't want to bring up the stuff that we really, Oh, how, you know, how's this, how's that? And it's like, I used to love going to ledge day before direct access. And I oh, always yeah. talk to the Democrats and say, you're all for access to care. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, so we're going to hand everybody an insurance card, which let me go on record. I, I'm for, mm -hmm. I believe in access for everybody. Totally do. We're going to hand everybody a card. And yet I can't get a fucking appointment with my GP, with my well-paying PPO plan. Right. So yeah. Right. So that access to care. And right. that's the conversation I used to love having with them. Oh right. yeah. And I went, just so you know, that's what we're thinking about out here. Oh, yeah. You, no, we, you go into the Democrat and you'd say, hey, health care yeah. for all. And you'd walk into the Republican and you'd say, healthier, better funded workforce. There and you you'd go. Into the, rural, the rural representative and you'd say, hey, you don't have enough doctors, you know, enough physicians to cover your people. So you need to have more people. Um, mm -hmm. And so physical therapists could be. You go into the, to the urban setting and you go, what are you going to do with your chronic homeless? What are you going to do with your access to care when it's hard, when it's hard to get into to, to be seen because you got to take four buses to get places? You know, you need to have a better network. So there's definitely a message there that I think 
you know, physical therapists, you know, can leverage direct access to be able to address at least some of these distributional kind of place-based, you know, social determinants of health. Um, and I think, I think we, we need to have that conversation. That's my uh, youngest girl there. Um, here's the other thing you brought up that I want to continue. Someone posted a great article in the APHPT group, who I just gave a plug. That was not the intent of this, but APHPT. You know, and you said about the federal level and some of the people doing this, I'm going to, this is a question and Gemma, for the love of God, I'm talking, <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there is, is there's going to have to be a diversion of funding from some of the typical healthcare spending to things, by the way, and I'm doing the quotes thing like crazy right now with my fingers, people, there's going to have to be a diversion of healthcare funding to outside of healthcare, AKA all the stuff you're talking about, that's very much healthcare. Yeah. Yet everybody in DC is going to say it is not healthcare. And I say DC because I see this stuff, you know, great. We're running a pilot study in four States. It's like, great. How about we just run a pilot study from the top down? Right. Right. So that, that's going to be interesting. That article is very eye opening, and it didn't talk about anything in particular, but I think for people like us, you can take it a lot further. But I just went, took a step back and went, holy shit, right? As the sales guy, I'm like, okay, how do I sell this, right? How do I get this money over here, right? Right, yeah, to get I, it. Seen, Again, uh, grocery store on a corner, people. You know, systematic reviews that, that suggest that for every dollar you spend on prevention, you save four to nine dollars. And I don't know, you know, I'm not sure how, how much more you can sell that, you know? Uh, but, but at the same time, I think, we still have sort of the drunken sailor mentality with regard to spending in this country, even though, um, you know, some of the, uh, some of the legislation that has come out recently has suggested that people are getting kind of tired of the escalation in healthcare spending. Um, which to me kind of makes it sound like we, we, we already sort of that cap and at least in the way of the public perception makes us all operate within the, the HMO kind of mentality, right? Now we, we have a fixed, you know, sort of, we have a fixed pie. Uh, and we need to kind of think about how we, we, we bring additional value with a, with a more fixed set of resources, at least according to the public imagination. I, yeah, we could, no matter what I say next, it's going to be construed wrong from a political statement. Um, Join the club, man. Yeah, I just, I don't, th this is not, so let's go on record. I have to start a fucking conversation like this these days. This is not a political, this is not a party conversation. This is not an anti-Trump. It's not a pro-anybody. It's not an anti-anybody. It is what's best for this country. And if you've listened to what Todd just said, and so I'm going to throw this out there just right now. So this separate, right, if I'm going to if I'm showing up in DC and I'm saying, look, you got to shift this healthcare funding over here. I'm going to be asking a lot of people to put a fair amount of money. And I'm doing the quote saying again, into areas that some people don't believe should be served mm -hmm. because let's face it. When we step back and look at the zip codes, which we talked about earlier, they're not the zip codes. Most of these listeners are living in mm -hmm. and they're not the zip codes that most of us go to visit regularly. Mm -hmm. And Todd was at Graham sessions as I was, you did not make the diversity panel, did you, Todd? Were you not. in the room? I'm no, sorry? I wasn't able to be there, yeah. There is a lot of crossover here in that conversation that occurred. So whether you heard it or not, it was good for everybody else in the room to hear that panel and then hear you speak, I believe. Because I heard a great example of this, I believe. So we fund a, we fund a clinic, 
in the south side of Chicago, right? And so just this whole idea of how do we serve these zip codes? Not only how do we serve them, but, you know, with whom and how, you know, he, he was talking about, and he owned this. It was a white physical therapist, south side of Chicago. He said his first day he goes in to run the free clinic, very happy to do it, wants to give back to his community. About an hour in goes, um, none of these people look like me and I don't look like them. And this is not going to work long term. How am I going to get this group of people to buy into me? I'm not part. I'm not part of this area. I'm not part of this group. You know. So this stuff is so much deeper. And some of this funding, right? And we're doing it at CSM After Dark this year's diversity panel, which I love and glad to see. You know. And so all of a sudden you're like, yes, yeah, Southside of Chicago, great. We funded this program. Yet we have to have the people who understand that zip code. Understand right. again, whatever you want to say, people. Right. And put those people in there. So this stuff is deep and it needs to have money spent on it. And man, the way we're going right now, we're going to have a hard time getting that funding um, mm -hmm. for this stuff. And so that's what worries me the most is, is when do we come to a cycle? Because you said, yeah, people are really concerned about the spending, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm talking to people every day and I check, um, you know, I check uh, insurance benefits across yep. all states now for people. Okay. And, um, Here's a, here's a shocker. Is everybody sitting down? Shit ain't getting cheaper <laughs> and it ain't getting easier for people. So even the people who have good coverage, mm -hmm. I've seen $20,000 deductibles people. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, in, in order to just get this all to come together and get these people with the $20,000 deductible who work hard and I'm doing the quotes thing like crazy. You know, to understand that, well, if we kind of spread this out a little bit over here, this would actually help your costs go down. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, I, I, we're having a better conversation than we've ever had. Mm -hmm. Yet, uh, what's your thoughts? How, how do we get people bought in on this? I heard your f nine to one thing and I get yeah. it. Yet it's, yeah. how, how do you convince the guy going to work every day, you know, paying premiums and watching his premiums go up, you know, mit the middle class is disappearing, but that, that middle class American, how do we convince them? Because they're going to have to buy into this too. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the, the, so, so the middle class American, in my estimation, is a paycheck away from needing the social safety net. Uh, and that's where I've done a lot of my, my work is uh, kind of in, in uh, kind of a Medicaid-based population, or at least a lot of my recent stuff. Um, and so, you know, what we're trying to, what we're trying to do is to diversify services to a, a broader base of people who've ever had it before. Uh, I remember Jerry and maybe you do too, when the Affordable Care Act was passed and got more people on health insurance, they came to, they came to see me for the first time. They'd never been to a PT before. I was taking phone calls. Sorry, you, but I got to barge yeah. in. I was taking new patient phone calls at that time when that clicked over. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. People. I'm, I'm sitting in San Francisco, smack dab in the middle of San Francisco, and people are calling me right. the first time ever with health insurance. Right. They, had no, they didn't even know how to ask for help. They, they, it's, it's forget the person who's had insurance who doesn't understand it. It was mind-boggling. Right. right. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're in the wealthiest country in the history of the world, you know, and, and here we are with a, a sizable group of people who never had health insurance before. And I was, I was working in a, in a consultant model, so I was doing brief consults in a primary care office at that point, uh, and I was seeing people you know, uh, you know, with knee pain. Oh, what happened to your knee? Well, I was in a motorcycle accident. Well, Jesus, when were you in a motorcycle accident? Oh, it was 15 years ago. 
holy, why didn't you come see us? Didn't have health insurance. You know, so you kind of, you kind of go in there, you do your Lachman test, right? Because you're, you're concerned now and, and, and you see the SAG sign and you see you get a positive Lachman test. You're like, my God, one or both of the cruise ships is gone. This guy's been hobbling around for 15 years. And so, you know, we went from, you know, the potential to sort of treat things upstream uh, and do it in a way that was optimally humane, right? So we get this guy out of pain and functioning better that much faster. And now the guy needs a knee replacement. Um, and so, you know, that, that to me is, you know, is, is, a, is fear is always a powerful motivator. And I think we, I think we have to be careful with, with how we phrase that. Because uh, on the one hand, sort of our mammalian brain can kind of handle $1 saves 4 to $9. You know, that, but the accountants love that. Uh, but I think our reptile brain sort of goes with, wow, I'm one paycheck away from, you know, not getting things treated for myself and my family that, that are necessary to be treated. So, uh, you know, and especially with the, the difficulties that the middle class is, is having and, and, and just sort of trying to subsist, you know, as you, as you pointed out, I think increasingly we have to have those conversations about, about priorities. We, we have to. I am, so I answered all my new patient calls for almost a year coming into my clinic in San Francisco. Again, here we go. Right. So, so the zip code that's rarely affected by a lot of things, right? Oh, well, then again, we could go to a couple name, three or four neighborhoods in San oh, Francisco. Yeah. But, I, I know the city. Well, yeah, sorry. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I shouldn't do that because there are areas in Los Angeles that actually, um, that actually, uh, what do you call it? Um, Oh my God. The program for the underserved areas, you know, when doctors and nurses go in, there are areas in Los Angeles. I think, you know, I'm always here thinking, Oh, rural Kentucky, right. rural somewhere. Right. And I'm right. people are going, no, there's a neighborhood downtown LA yeah. that's underserved right. and can get the, a student loan repayment. So yeah. I need to be careful with that. So sorry. So yeah, I'm getting calls. And again, you know, we got people paying rent. I got parents calling me for their kids. I mean, this was over a year. I talked to just about everybody. I talked to Medicaid patients who called my office and trying to figure out strategies to get them where they needed to be, whether they, you know, because those were some of the best conversations I had, um, to be brutally honest. Some of them I was able to help, some I wasn't. But um, the, the money, so I watched and I, I've watched the insurance benefits for years and just if nothing else, and I'm watching this deductible go up, up and up <laughs> and you know, and you know damn well, the premium's not going down, down, down. So here you got someone losing, losing, losing more out of their paycheck every two weeks so right. that they have the, so that they have the privilege of paying more out of their pocket for healthcare. So, right. So yeah, th this whole conversation about, and again, those are, it's, it was a lot of middle class. These weren't, you know, well, I'll say this too, Jerry, it's a hidden tax, right? So basically it is, it is siphoning off that money from people's paychecks in the form of premium. And a percentage of that is just going straight to shareholders. Oh, that, yeah, I, I agree. And so the people who are, are against a tax for, for, you know, creating a, a national health plan. Pick up your check stuff. You know, if you just sort of looked at what was going to shareholders at directly out of your check every month. But here again, we need to have start having that discussion. And, you know, look, I'm, I'm fairly agnostic, you know, politically about this stuff. I think there probably are different, different ways that we could handle this. So we certainly, with the Affordable Care Act, the biggest criticism is that it has propped up private insurance. And I agree with that because private insurance needs, needs, uh, needs reform. 
Uh, but if you're into market-based solutions, that's the way you do it. Um, you know, if you're, if you're into nationalized uh, health plans, which we've seen in pretty much all of the other OECD countries that are ahead of us in health outcomes, uh, I tend to be a little bit high on that, you know, just, just as sort of a, a, of a baseline. Uh, if we, we added a national health service. Uh, I know that there's, you know, there's some, some drawbacks to that, uh, that model as well. Uh, but I've seen it work in different countries and different contexts, even here in the, in the United States. Uh, I kind of don't care. I kind of don't care how we, how we start having the discussion as long as we have the discussion. I swear to God. So you know how we start having the discussion is we run an ad campaign where we show people where to look on their check stub for how much you're actually spending a month. And this is back to your fair thing. So I'm going to go here because I believe there's a way to get people's attention who haven't been paying attention or who believe this isn't me. I read, a, I read a book recently about the white working middle class, which is an interesting thing that I really don't want to bring up um, on the podcast. Yet, if we could just get people to go, hmm, let me pick that up. How much am I paying? So I'm a little bit for that fear part to get the process started. And then we go away from it very quickly and go, okay, how can we fix this? Oh, yeah, now you got my attention. I want to fix this. Cool. Right. Let's start the conversation. And I think it needs to look what you just said. I'm not, do you, do you remember? And again, this is a political. Do you remember when during the ACA uh, town halls, when people would get up and say, I, I don't want the government in my healthcare. And it was like a Medicare right. age person. Right. And right. so I'm not knocking that person per se. I'm knocking the mindset that this stuff is here. It's happening, right? right? I don't want a tax on healthcare. Wait a minute. You're paying premiums. You'd get those premiums back. And then there'd be a tax. I get it. It right. could be less, you know, let's at least, but no, it's just, I don't want a tax on healthcare. Whoa, let's back up. Right. It might, it might be cheaper. It right. might be more expensive, but we're not going to bullshit you. And you're going to know because you're going to know how to do the math. Right. right. I, I, I like it. I like an educated per educated person that came out a little wrong. I like people to know why, right? So it's, Hey, this right. would be a tax. Hey, can we sit down and I show you some things? Sure. I want that person to consciously go, you know what? You're right. right. I still disagree with you, but I understand it better. That's okay. Well, and that's, that's the hard part is that I, I don't, and, and you would know this because you take the calls. Um, but the level of health and healthcare literacy in this country is, is abysmal. Uh, and you know, when you, when you kind of combine that with the fact that it's easy to be ideologically inclined. So like if I'm against taxes and I know nothing about healthcare, it's really hard because that person has already kind of got some default positions. You can't get them away from, um, or, you know, um, I'm, I'm, you know, or I'm only into single payer, uh, and, um, you know, and, and nothing else is going to work, you know? Uh, clearly that's, that's just as a problematic of a position to have. So, um, I think we're, we're, we're running up we're upstream with a lot of things in this country. And I think well, what do you mean by that, Todd? I think, I think a lot of it goes back to, to health and healthcare literacy. Um, my sense as I've worked with people over 15 years, and this is, this is a broad generalization, uh, is that a lot of people just sort of look at their bodies like a, a blob of protoplasm that takes their special sensory organs from one screen to the next screen. Uh, and, and that's essentially what we're working with here is that people just don't know about their bodies. Uh, they don't, and they don't, and with the specialization inherent in healthcare, they don't know enough about how to take, uh, how to take care of their bodies both within and outside the system. Uh, and then when you add kind of the political climate where people are polarized, it makes it really hard to have this discussion. Yeah. It's not impossible, but those are, those are definite barriers. 
Yeah, so this, let, let's go back to the beginning of this. And this is all, if, if you guys think we've gone on a tangent, we haven't, I'm, we haven't at all. And I'm just beginning to understand this better. And the longer I'm in this profession, I will say this, I've said it before, the longer I'm in this profession, I realize our greatest service to this country is not treating people, is eventually is looking for ways to get people out of the clinic. So, so the greatest value we will bring to healthcare is this on the greatest value we will bring to healthcare as physical therapists is to keep people out of the physical therapy office. Now, what that means, we, that's what we're talking about right here. What can we do in our communities? We're movement experts. So get to a community planning event, sidewalks. Chris Hines, I wanted to follow. Chris Hines posted a picture after the last snowstorm. And it was an article in the paper about a local falling and breaking his hip. Chris had a picture of the sidewalk. Guess where all the snow got blown? on the sidewalk where the guy fell and broke his hip. So what do we do? Do we get better orthopedic surgeons? Do we get this guy into a balance exercise program? No, we don't put fucking snow on the side, right? So we're not off on a tangent. And, and this is going to be a hard discussion. And we have to be willing, all of us, to, to learn more about how healthcare is paid for. I think that's a generalized statement. I think that's really good. That means how much is coming out of your paycheck. I'll make it about you. You want it all about you? Let's bust out your check stuff. How healthcare is paid for, where that money goes, and then again, where is the greatest return? The greatest return is you having a supermarket two blocks up. I still that that article I reference that article like right. once a once a day. If right, we, that's yeah. going to have greater effect on the health of your community than any balance program, than any you know falls assessment, any of that stuff. Yeah, if we put if we put our uh, our money into sidewalks and supermarkets, you know, we'd we'd have we'd have a lot of healthier communities. If we put you know where if we put where people want to go closer to, to yeah, where they, go. you know, we would we would have very different health outcomes. Uh, but we're we're just sort of not set up that way right now. And you're right; these are hard hard conversations, um, and it's hard not to bring politics into it. Which is why if you if you follow my Twitter feed, uh, I do tend to get political, and I think it's all part of it. And Getting back to our initial sort of, you know, what seemed like a side tangent, but seems also very fitting at this point about student ledge day, teaching professionals how to have a conversation with people who can make decisions and enact those decisions is really important. Um, and so, you know, people don't like to talk about religion and politics in the clinic. I'm not one of those people. Uh, I think talking to, my, talking to my patients is a little bit like a representative talking to their constituents. Uh, one of the things that drove me back to get a master's degree in public health was the simple fact that I worked with a person who got hit by a car riding their bike uh, on a, a street in a certain part of town. And then uh, I sort of asked him how it happened. And I know that, that that spot has no bike lanes and the sidewalks are terrible, uh, which is ironically just down the street from a local hospital. So bring that in the back of your mind. Yeah. And then the next week, Jerry, guess what? Another person riding a bike in that same part of town got hit by a car. So again, where, where th- this isn't a, a trauma, let's fund the trauma unit no. at Stockton General because we're right. getting more trauma patients, right? right? Let's spend more money at the trauma right. unit. This is a paint a bike lean on the I'm just going to say fucking get out there and, with a roller. And, 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 like, and like make sure people use the bike lane properly. You know, that's, that's sort of where we're at with things. And so – as a society, as we look at escalating health costs, I, I couldn't agree more with you. The best way to control health costs is to keep them out of the clinic. 
And the best way to keep him out of the clinic is to look at these big picture issues and have some uncomfortable conversations. I just like top down again, you know, wh where do you live? What, what do you have available? And not what do you have available in hospitals and medical services? We're, we're even out, out of that conversation. And right. we've covered that already. We're going to have to take healthcare dollars. We're going to have to take healthcare dollars and put it into city planning dollars. Right. And that's going to blow everybody's fucking mind. And then we're well, going to have to go on. It's really a health and all spending approaches, Jerry, right? Yeah. So yeah. You know, we need to start looking at, okay, we want to put in a new subdivision. We're going to change the zoning of county land, for example, to put in a subdivision. Okay, well, part of that review process has to include health effects. Um, and unless we start thinking about that and thinking about health and everything we do, uh, you know, we're going to continue to get what we always got. Yeah. And so now here we are back to that person with their paycheck to paycheck. If you don't want the same you've always got, where's my money going? We have to cut taxes. Maybe we need to dig a little deeper into each line on that, um, on that paycheck. And again, I'm, I would love nothing more than to help people how to better understand that. And then how do you influence it? Right? So then, okay, this is it. Well, how do I change that Jerry? Okay. Let's, let's go on to that. Okay. Now you can make a decision. And, and I'm kind of a guy, I, I'm, I don't know what it's called, but I'm like, if you have the information you need, now you have a choice. Mm -hmm. And even with people who smoke, I, I get it. I'm like, well, it's legal. They can buy it. I'm, I'm sorry. They're not, they're not smoking in my house. They're not smoking indoors. They're walking down the street. Um, you know what? It, as long as they know this, if I stopped them and they could tell me, yes, 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 I'd be like, and I get it. So I just want people to have the information right to to make a choice and this stuff is political let's not be confused but as we started and which we thought was a tangent and wasn't at all is is think locally i, I think that's the biggest take home mm -hmm. not the biggest but one of the biggest take homes of this conversation you know you chris hines you guys both even since the conversation started what i see going on and you guys both being invited to and chris is posting from community planning events you, I saw, just posted something a couple weeks ago, I believe. What was that all about? Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't exactly recall, but we've, we've done a lot of things in the way of, of, of just trying to figure out how to help our community be, be sort of better off in the way of their health. Yeah, I don't remember what it was exactly, but I can tell the yeah. people listening that it caught my eye because I know it was something in the community. And I swear to God, it had something to do with getting kids moving, younger kids moving. Yeah. And like, oh, here we go. So parks, access to parks. There, there, oh, yeah. There's another thing, man. Growing yeah. up, we all did. Well, and, and if you have parks and the parks have been taken over by folks that you'd prefer not to see there, here's an idea. You know, host yoga in the park. Partner with a local yoga school because yoga instructors need hours. Uh, you know, host a Matt Pilates. Um, do a nature walk, you know, buddy up with your local Audubon society and figure out what nature is available in your park to get people thinking about their environment besides something different than it's just a place with grass and trees with a bunch of shady folks that I don't want to see in the park. Engage the shady folks in the park, you know, in their own health, you know, try and find out a little bit more about them and, and what they're about and what they need and make sure that they have access to services. So, you know, even if you do have parks and the parks aren't working out for you, then figure out how they can work better. And it's all health is local. Which brings us back yet again, everything is together here. Nothing's a tangent is some of the latest stuff I've been looking at yet again, where socialization, social interaction is one of the determinants of, or lack of it, of earlier mortality. 
Yeah. And so Todd just gave us a solution of like three things with one, right? Go to the yeah. park, get people moving. They're socializing, appreciating nature. Nature. That's like we're, we're solving like four or five things with just going, absolutely. hey, I started a walking group out at the park. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I so, think so we're getting there was a, all there was those a things. That came out, I think, of uh, the UK recently, and it might have been highlighted on, and I forget, one of the news shows, 60 Minutes or something like that where um, they were looking into the, uh, the effect of a telephone service on people who are lonely, uh, elders who are lonely. And, and it's just simple stuff that you can do. Uh, you know, that, that walking program in your park or in the mall, uh, if, it's, if, if it's inclement weather, uh, could be someone's lifeline. Yeah, maybe the only time of the week they're out of their house. Maybe the only time of the Absolutely. week they're interacting and maybe enough to keep them stimulated and going and now they're buying a new book and now there's a little bit of that right they're doing some or they're getting on the phone or or and seriously or they're getting on facebook and communicating with these new friends now right right you know whatever it is yeah this stuff all ties in and to think it all started with a conversation about ledge day that i wasn't sure was going to tie in and really does and we're back to the local thing and think right i get these people hey that park cd we're not going to go there wait a minute right just you know Give people a reason to come. Give people a reason to appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. You bet. Oh, Lord have mercy. So this is good. Uh, this, you know, if we're going to talk healthcare disruption, this is, this is uh, very pertinent and uh, it's a great conversation. So anything else you want to throw in there, Todd? Anything you want to plug? You, what, what are you speaking? So CSM, as I said, this is the week before CSM. What are you speaking about at CSM, Todd? So, so at CSM, uh, I have uh, sort of four or five different different things that I'm that I'm speaking at in about 48 hours. So it'll be a quick commando style trip for me to kind of get in and, and see if I can see if I can give people some information that can help and, and hopefully change some minds and then, and then get out. Uh, but I'll be working with uh, Mike Eisenhart and Don Magnuson uh, in the Health Policy Administration uh, group to to go over uh, basically population health and health promotion programs. Uh, you know, sort of how you look at those from an administrative perspective. Uh, I'll be talking again with Mike, uh, uh, Mike Eisenhart and, um, uh, and Lorena uh, Payne, who's the president of the Occupational Health Special Interest Group of the Ortho Section, uh, talking about direct-to-employer physical therapy. So here again, how do we, how do we get around third-party you know, sort of payment uh, problems and kind of market our services directly to, uh, to employers, thinking about uh, employers, uh, rather um, um, P, uh, workers as a as a specific cohort um, of of people. I'm going to be doing a reprise of my Gram sessions talk uh, at the APHPT uh, meetup event uh, there on Thursday night. Um, I'll be talking about medical screening uh, and in terms of our our clinical practice guideline that we're putting together for differential diagnosis, uh, which I'm doing through the ortho section work group, uh, and I'll be, be talking about that in federal section programming on Thursday. Uh, and then I'll be uh, presenting on the social determinants of health at um, Hot Topics for the home health section. Uh, so we'll be talking about how home health practitioners are really front line. Oh, my God. We could. Oh, my God. We could go another two hours on the role. We could. And we the should. role home health. Oh, my God. Home health. When, when, I don't know. This was about eight, nine months ago. The role home health is going to play in this. Home health is going to become is going to become an integral and by integral, I mean like key component of the 
healthcare team. There's going to be like four members on this team or four groups, shall we say. And home health PT is going to be right up there. I mean, they're in it. They're they, literally, literally and figuratively. Home no, health. And then the other thing you said, I want to just, again, as someone new and maybe someone listening. So I want everybody to think home health's role in everything we talked about. You're going into the neighborhood. You're going into the home. You're, it's all of it. You're going to know if they're having social interaction. I mean, you're, you're going to have like the master checklist to be able to probably check the boxes to tell us when this person is going to pass away or how yeah. long they're going to live. That's scary. The other thing you mentioned is, and we didn't get into is this whole employer thing. You have this population. And if you want to show people how to change a paycheck, you get to do it at two levels. And it's, say win-win, which I like that phrase. A lot of people don't, mm -hmm. but it's a win-win for that. So the employer thing and the home health thing, just, man, that is, and that you said that word administrative, I almost fell asleep at that part. But other than that, everything else I'm totally onto. That I home health gonna, and the I think you're going to have a lot more fun with it than you think. All right. But the home health and the employer thing, I think are, if, again, where it, to get in that mindset, people think about the effect you can have there. And again, it's not treating people. Oh, the third thing, the medical screening, mm -hmm. right? If you're going to be in home health, if you're going to go into people's homes, and mind you, this trickles down to all of us, but I see it really in home health. You, you got to be able to, the medical screen part. I mean, we all know that. We all, we don't do it. We all know how to do it. And we just have to make it part of the routine or it just becomes part of the habit. Yeah. Wow. It's part of the cool thing about this is we're, we're putting together a, a clinical practice guideline. So there's actually going to be you know, a set of evidence that can help guide you there, uh, you know, for, for things that are commonly, you know, sort of screened out in the clinic. So uh, it's a awesome. process. I get to work with a lot of cool people with that. This is cool. And it goes back to, if you look at the solution for healthcare and the role of physical therapist plays, I said it was keeping them out of the clinic. So here we are home health, the, the, the employer. So these are out of clinic solutions and this is how we need to get to stuff. I don't want to go into it right now, Todd. We don't have to go too deep, but telehealth in this whole thing. So being able to connect with people in their homes, wider areas. You guys yeah. talk about that stuff much? We will we'll be talking a little bit about it. Um, yeah, I, I'm fortunate to be on the uh, um, some of the, the technology on the technology side with uh, with Alan Lee uh, and some yeah. that, that are doing some things, uh, you know, with with telehealth and trying to work out not only the technology, but also the patchwork of regulations uh, related to telehealth. You know, I, I know that, that, that James Glenn, you know, is, is doing some cool stuff with that too. With, with mm -hmm. telehealth. Uh, There's mobile health that's doing some cool stuff in, in that space. And so, and it's just sort of an issue of trying to kind of figure out, you know, um, you know, how do you set up a clinic that can minimize, you know, like that, that place-based determinant of health, you know, like, improve someone's DNA by maybe having someone from the next zip code over who might not be able to get out to you, be able to help you. Yeah. And then are you guys talking, are you guys talking about also, cause here's where, and I believe in it exactly for all the reasons you said, and that's the reason I always saw it is it's in access to me. It was access. Have you guys also talked about how to get the most value at, because we're so used to being hands-on and in front of people and watching. Yeah, I mean, we can still watch them, but how to, have you guys talked about how to make it fit, not efficient, fuck that, how to make it most useful? Yeah, it's, it's tough because you got to kind of think about yourself differently. Um, you you got to think about yourself as more of a thinker and an educator than just a doer. 
Um, I think, you know, we're, 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 you know, at, at a profession where if you just look at how we're paid with CPT codes, it's we're paid by the duration of what we do. Uh, and that's not necessarily, you know, I think our biggest impact. So we, we do need to kind of reimagine and rethink what, what we do and how we do it. Uh, and along the lines of someone who has a specialized set of knowledge and skills that has value outside of, you know, what we do with our hands. And that's going to be a different way to think for a lot of people. Yeah, because you're talking an old dog right here. I, I get it. And I still have to sometimes step back and try to wrap my head around, okay, I get it. I want to do it. I want to be successful. Yet, if I'm sitting across from someone and they get a call a week or a call every two weeks, right. and I'm that person, I'm now I want to be able to deliver, truly. right? I don't want to waste anybody's time in the sense of knowing, God, this person is getting access. Right. Yeah, so I, I feel more pressure. So cool. Wow. So much stuff. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Man. So I want to thank you for coming on and talking real healthcare disruption here. And yeah, uh, for, uh, for the chance to do it. I appreciate it. And lastly, where can, where's the best, not, not best place. There's probably more than one. Where the best place for people to, uh, to reach out to you, to ask you more about this. Maybe some people looking who want to dig deeper into this. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm probably on Twitter way too much. Uh, I overshare on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Sun's Opening Band. Uh, and say say that slowly yeah. for everybody because they're gonna they're, they're gonna go they're gonna listen to that thirty uh, times back and go I didn't hear it right. I may be the only PT that doesn't have PT in their handle. Uh, it's that brilliant personal marketing that I have. <laughs> so it's at Sun S U N S Opening like Opening Band. Uh, and if you scroll back to my first tweet, you understand where the handle comes from. It's, uh, it's so there's the challenge. You got to scroll back nine gazillion tweets. Um, I'm also a proud member of the APHPT, uh, putting in a plug for that. Uh, you can certainly interact with me there on their workspace, their Facebook workspace. Uh, I, I'm, you know, uh, very proud also to, to manage their, their uh, social determinants of health idea lab, which will be crackling to life again after CSM. Uh, with some different different ways to get involved and uh, some different different products that we're hoping to kind of create so that this whole social terms of health thing gets, you know, maybe tagged on to something practical that people can actually access and think about and do. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoy that group. There's a lot of people who want to learn a lot of people willing to open their minds or expand their boundaries, shall we say? and not have to be right. Um, it's Absolutely. a good group to be in. It's, it's, and it's the most diverse group I'm in right now, meaning just the conversations like, whoa. Yeah. And, uh, oh, this will be post CSM. Damn it. I was just going to give a plug for showing up outside the convention hall at 530 on Thursday, but I'll be there too. So I'll get to, awesome. hear, I'll get to hear that again. And that was a great, uh, speech you gave at grand session. So I'm happy to sit through it again and, Thanks, man. Think about it further. So, thank you, Todd. I appreciate your time. Yeah, my um, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great. Give my best hand to the drummer. Yeah, I will. <laughs> when we get together, God knows what he's doing. He's probably shacking up with someone this week or something. I found a new drug to hit. I love it. I'll start those rumors. The drummer, Andrew, the drummer. I may have to edit that part out, but I may have to edit that edit that out, but I probably won't. All right, my man. All right, man. Thank Take you very care. much. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and write us a review. We'd love to uh, see your thoughts and opinions on this. And uh, if you really like what you heard, then why don't you subscribe so you make sure and get the uh, 
latest notifications every time we post a new episode. If you want to stay in touch with Jerry, make sure and head on over to jerrydurhampt.com and click on the stay in contact button. And I tend to hang out on Instagram at jerrydurhampt and Facebook at jerrydurhampt. Thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you again. Bye-bye.